You listen to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Monique Ruberu. She's a board certified OBGYN who has had postdoctoral training at the Napa Technology Medical Consultants. She specializes in women's health and is passionate about bringing light to the root cause of women's health issues. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. We'll be right back. So good evening, Dr. Monique Ruberu. Would you prefer me to call you Dr. Ruberu or, or Monique? You let me know. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining 247 Real Talk. I know it's late, but I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, you can call me Dr. Ruberu, Dr. Monique, whatever, whatever makes. Okay. So away we go. Let's start with... Um, you giving a bit of a background information on yourself before we get into the meat of the conversation tonight. Sounds good. So I was trained as a typical gynecologist. I um, went to a normal OBGYN residency program, and I was trained just like any other OBGYN physician. We were taught basically to you know, look at women, and when we were told about the issues that they were facing, we weren't really taught to kind of search for the root cause, but rather we were taught to address each one of those issues, typically with contraceptive pills. So if you come in with abnormal bleeding, you get a contraceptive. If you come in wanting to prevent pregnancy, you get a contraceptive. If you come in because you have PMS, you get a contraceptive. Come in because of ovarian cysts, you get a contraceptive. And, you know, I practiced like that for several years, you know, placing IUDs, using contraceptives to address every issue. And then I came across another way of doing things. And that way kind of really uh, just, it made me so much happier. It was a much uh, more holistic approach where you looked for the root cause of every issue and you address that root cause. And that's how I practice now. I kind of pivoted into this role probably about six years ago. So I've been doing this since that time. And the way that we do it is we have people look at their cycles, identify when they're ovulating, and then we do a lot of tests around that, knowing that timing. And that way we can actually address each of the issues by looking at the underlying root cause. And it's just so much more fun, so much more exciting, and it leaves the patients actually getting much better responses. Okay, that is great. So I think we can um, sort of go through a few issues for the benefit of our audience and especially um, old ladies, you know, women who are dealing with these um, these challenges. I think I, I know from within my family um I know someone very close to me that dealt with polycystic fibrosis and um the you know the the medication she got was metformin. It's kind of in line with what you were saying. Um so let's talk a bit about that and then we can go into the heavy duty stuff with like IVF. 
Absolutely. So yeah, PCOS is one of the most common things that we tend to treat as OBGYN physicians. You know, people come in and they have complaints that they only get a period maybe once every few months. And when they do that, you know, sometimes it's even just like once a year or twice a year. And when they do have that period, it's just like horrible because they haven't had a period for several months. So all of a sudden they're bleeding enough for all of those periods. And they end up like hemorrhaging, having anemia, feeling just really poorly, getting anemic, and it's just not fun for that person. In addition, when it's time that this person wants to have a child, it makes it super difficult for them to have any idea as to when they should be trying in order to conceive. So most often, people that have polycystic ovarian syndrome are told that the best treatment for them is to be on birth control pills. And so they're told that if they don't get on a birth control pill, they're actually increasing the risk for cancer because the lining will get thickened and then bad cells will grow there. And then they're also told that their only option for trying to conceive a child down the road is to be on a birth control pill, which really doesn't make a lot of sense. The way that we address polycystic ovarian syndrome instead is rather than the metformin medication you were talking about that people are typically put on, we use natural supplements that do something similar. They lower what we call the insulin resistance. It helps them not to be kind of more of a diabetic patient. It helps them to be able to process the sugar in their body better when they use this supplement. And then we give them progesterone, which is a natural hormone that occurs in your body after ovulation, but we give it at a certain time. Like we wait for this person to ovulate. And then after having that ovulation, we give them this supplement and that helps them to ovulate more frequently. And they end up going from having, you know, one period a year to having a lot more periods in a year. And typically after the treatment with us, they tend to have monthly cycles and they tend to have much better health. Their lining is much better. They have an idea when they're ovulating. So it's much better for the fertility. So it's just it's way better across the board for these patients. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, you would, you would kind of have to, uh, educate me and others who are listening to this in that direction, because, you know, the typical, like you said, the typical treatment is what, um, everyone seems used to, you know, receiving and, it is the metformin. It is the you know the the bulk birth control pills. It is the and I've again I've I've, I've heard this you know from you know in having conversations with uh, members in my family. Um, so you know I'm gonna look to you to guide this conversation a little bit more because I'm a might be a tad bit out of my league here, <laughs> but I know that um, I've heard enough conversations about it. Not and I'll tell you where I lead with this too. Um, I have had more than, I would say, at least two couples that I've known um, who have dealt with challenges of uh, pregnancy, you know, and have spent thousands and thousands of dollars um, 
in order to do so. And I, for the two couples I can think of off the top of my head, ultimately they were both successful. Um, but it was, well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. One, one couple was successful. They had two kids later on. The other couple um, actually didn't have kids. And they, if I think about it now, um, one of the couples, so it's actually maybe three of them, one of them got divorced. Um, wow. You know, because I guess it was, you know, you get to that situation where, you know, it, it, that was a real desire of, of and, and the specific couple I'm speaking of, there was a desire of the husband. And so, obviously, um, um, I think they amicably went different ways because, you know, I, I don't think they were left with any choice at that point. They had spent, he told me, you know, he'd spent well over $50,000. Yeah. So this is something that, unfortunately, so many women encounter. And it's because of the fact that the underlying issues are not being addressed when they come up and because we're using this band-aid approach of just cover it up with contraceptives, these underlying issues just kind of fester and they get worse and worse when ultimately the woman reaches the point where she wants to conceive. And so she gets off of these birth control pills and that same issue that she's been hiding all along is just sitting right there. And Still, even at that point, these poor physicians have not been taught how to address that underlying issue in a way to actually resolve it or heal it or help the person's body recover from it. All they know is how to shut it down with a birth control pill. So they have no option other than to refer this person to a reproductive endocrinologist who is going to ultimately provide them with the opportunity to have IVF. And when you think about IVF, it's a huge thing because, you know, for so many people in this country and all over the world, they have a desire to have a child, but in reality, they don't have a desire to end the life of their children, right? So they go into this and their only desire is, hey, you know, I want to have a healthy child. But what happens? Like the woman is given all these medications where she's hyperstimulated and then they retrieve these eggs from her. Then the man is asked to masturbate and to give a specimen and they take that sperm and they mix it with the eggs and they create embryos. And every embryology textbook that I have ever read has always referred to the beginning of life as the embryo, right? I and mean, we all, every single one of us started as an embryo. And so if they're creating these embryos and then they're looking at these embryos, like say they make 10 embryos, okay? They look at these embryos and then they grade them and they say, oh, this one's better quality than that. This one's better than that. So let's discard these ones that are not as good. Straight off the bat, these people are losing their children. And they're not, you know, prospective children. They're not possible children. These are embryos. So as far as I'm concerned, like if I was in that situation, those would be my children. And then, you know, they can only place two of these embryos into the mom at that time. They can't put all, you know, 
eight of them or six of them that are left over in the mom. So two of them go in the mom and the other four go into the freezing. So then the two that go into the mom, if they happen to take off and do really well, and now the two split into three or four, and you have now three or four babies that are growing inside of your womb, the next question from this IVF doc is, well, you know, it's kind of dangerous to have a triplet pregnancy or a quadruplet pregnancy. Your chance of ending up with a preterm delivery is much higher, and the chance that these children will have problems is much higher. So maybe you should consider reducing. So now with reducing, what does that mean? They're taking a needle and they're injecting into these babies' hearts a chemical in order to end the life of one or two of those babies so that it reduces to a number that's easier to carry for a safer pregnancy. So once again, these parents who just wanted one healthy child are having to face the decision of ending the life of other children in order to save this child or these children. And then because they have more babies that are in the freezer, they're kind of indebted to do this over and over. Or they have to give those babies up to somebody else to use in another IVF cycle, or if they can't afford it and you know they can't pay for the freezing, then those embryos are taken out and they're thawed and they're discarded. So it's just a really challenging situation. And I feel like it's so much better if we can just actually look at the issues that these women have and offer them the help that they need in order to be able to solve the underlying issues. And so in my office, in my line of work and all the other NAPRO trained physicians, NAPRO technology trained physicians that are out there and the integrative medicine doctors and the holistic healers and the Chinese herbal medicine practitioners, these are all the people that when you go to us, what do we do instead? We look at your health. We look at your underlying hormones. We do tests that look at your thyroid function. We look at your gut function. We look at all the different aspects of your body that could be contributing to this problem. We find the root cause and then we address the root cause. And then we watch as you heal. And if you haven't healed with that, we keep looking and we don't stop looking until we figure out what it is in you that is causing this issue. And, you know, I, it's interesting because, you know, I have my office, my office is natural women's health in Philadelphia. And what I realized, especially during the pandemic is so many people you know, can't come into my office because, you know, it's pandemic time, people couldn't move around. So I decided I needed to go and start doing this stuff as telemed. And initially with telemed, you know, the borders were kind of open. You could treat people all over the country and it was really great. But then I realized it's not just people in our country that are dealing with this. There are people all over the world who are only receiving this typical GYN care from their practitioners and they don't know that there's the ability to actually address all of these issues without contraceptives. And so I started creating like a coaching 
product and a course so that people all over the world can have access to this kind of information, especially if they're dealing with infertility. And I created the course called Fertility Solved. So somebody can like go onto the course, they can learn everything they need to know about what exactly is normal, what is abnormal, how do you figure out if what you have is normal or abnormal, how do you address that, what tests do you need, all of that stuff. And if someone goes to the course and they still feel like they need somebody to talk to about it or they need coaching in this, then I arrange coaching appointments. So I coach people kind of all over the world and I help them to understand what's going on with their fertility. I give them the tools so that they can go to their doctor and say, hey, I've been doing a lot of reading and learning and I really want to check this, 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 and this. Can you please give me those lab tests? Get those tests done, come back to me and I'll discuss the you know, results of all those tests and give you more information as to what you should do next, what sort of vitamins or whatever you should take in order to help you heal and get to a better spot. I feel like all of these issues can be resolved with the right diet, the right exercise, the right supplements, and the right testing to figure out exactly what's going on. So, the like you said, um, the issue is an issue that women experience everywhere in this world. And Correct. What, so what do you think is the reason behind people, doctors taking that universal approach as opposed to, you know, attacking the issue in the manner in which you do? Why aren't they more of you? So the thing is this, like, especially in the OBGYN committee, I mean, community, OBGYN physicians across the board are kind of afraid to step outside of the box because of the fact that it's one of the specialties where people are more likely to be sued. You know, like you're having a baby, something goes wrong with the delivery, you know, the likelihood of that patient wanting to sue that physician is very high, you know some sort of birth trauma, whatever happens. And so it's a surgical specialty, oftentimes in surgery also, if something happens, it's another like high-end area to be sued. So the OBGYN physicians typically are very, um, very much stuck in the mindset of, I will only do what, you know, the upper level people tell me to do and what they write in this particular book where they advise us on how to treat every issue. And so if you're trained in that way and you've gone through four years of training, this is how everybody else practices. It's very hard to kind of step away from what you've been taught to do. It's just kind of, you know, it's like, um, in any field, when when everybody's trained in a certain way to do something, you have to be a certain kind of individual to be willing to stand up and say, this doesn't make sense to me. The majority of people are just going to go with the flow, not make any waves, not be willing to like 
stand up and be a target of anything. And they, it won't matter to them if, you know, it doesn't quite mesh exactly with what they would want to do personally if everybody else is going along with them. You know what I mean? Okay, but um, so are we saying that I, I, I don't want to assume that in, in the direction you took, um, for some reason you have, you, I mean, you have no fear of, of the same uh, sort of retribution, the same um, lawsuits or the same responsibility of someone who hypothetically goes through your process and because I'm assuming that the fact that you've been doing this for, you said, the last six years, is it? Mm-hmm. Right. You've had um, success. Um, yes. But yeah. with success comes failures. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I am, you know, just a human being, just as everyone else. And, you know, it is possible for any human being to, you know, miss something or to make a mistake along the way. But what I have found is that I am not willing to stand by and sacrifice the well-being of my patients just because I'm afraid that, you know, everybody else is doing something a different way. The reason that I want to treat patients in this way is because it really makes sense to me. You know, like, I don't like the idea of covering up the issue. I want to understand exactly what's going on. And the way that myself and these other NAPRO trained physicians are practicing, it's not like I made this up. This has been, you know, this type of medicine and the way that, uh, that I'm practicing has been done for many, many, many years before I came on the scene, I learned it from someone else. I went to a program to learn how to do this. But the more that I do it and the more that I speak to other doctors who are in the integrative medicine field and doctors who are doing Chinese herbal medicine, which has been around way before allopathic medicine, like traditional medicine that we practice here in the United States, the more that I realized how those people are practicing, it's in so much more alignment with what I'm doing now. And it just makes so much more sense to me. I think that, you know, the role of the pharmaceutical industry is huge in the United States. You know, they have always had a very big influence over how we practice and what we prescribe and what is given simply because they've been in and out of our offices and they make it very easy for people to prescribe certain things. Um, But in other countries, it, it might not be the same influence. So I like to look at, you know, what are all the different things that are being offered to people all over the world? What are all the things that are being offered to people within the alternative community? What are the things that are being offered to people within the Chinese herbal community and within the integrative community and how are they addressing each of these issues. And then I look at all of that research of what people have done and what their outcomes have been. And then that's how I come up with the different things that I would want to add in for my patients in my practice. And I think when, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think when people collaborate in that way, 
And you're not just kind of stuck in your box of like, this is what I've been trained to do. And this is the only way I'm going to do it because I don't want to step outside of the box or, you know, I don't know any other way of doing it. Like I practiced like that for long enough. I mean, all through residency and for the first several years of being a gynecologist. And honestly, I didn't enjoy it. It was boring. But now the way that I practice every single patient, it's like, a mystery and you're trying to find out exactly what it is that is going on with this patient and how you can help them the best. And it's just so much more exciting, so much more fun, so much more rewarding for myself and definitely for the patient because they're being healed, not by me necessarily, but just their body is healing in actually addressing the root causes. Okay, so yeah, because uh, something that you touched on that I was is, is sort of the direction I was going in when I asked the question about why aren't, say, the majority of uh, doctors who focus on uh, infertility or fertility um, using the, the similar pr- approach that you are, and you know that was the fact that we see in every single aspect, and even with the pandemic right now the influence and the power of the pharmaceutical companies. And, right. you know, it's, it's unfortunate that I'm one of those people who believe that there's, there are probably more cures out there than we know of for other illnesses as well. And I think that, oh, you know, the pharmaceutical companies play a, play a big role in suppressing treatments because they make so much money selling medication. Um, Absolutely. We see that in so many areas of medicine, right? I mean, I think the best example of that is probably cancer. When you look at cancer and chemotherapy, on one side of the spectrum, you have chemotherapy where people, you know, it's a huge, huge moneymaker for the pharmacy industry versus natural healing. And there have been people you know, on both ends of the spectrum, some people use chemotherapy and they kill the cancer and then they go on and they do okay. But then there are other people who never did the chemotherapy and only changed their diet completely and changed their lifestyle completely and took all these supplements and they're doing awesome as well. So it's really interesting when you really begin to dig in deep with that. Yes, I, I think it's, um you know, that would be a whole episode by itself because I do have, I do agree with you. I have strong feelings about things I can't self. You know, every so often you hear of someone in some country who uh, cured someone of cancer or some other illness using you know, like herbal medicines and stuff like that. And no one wants to believe, I think, for two reasons. One, because the pharmaceutical companies do everything they can to to plant enough seeds of doubt in, you know, in, in the story, even if it, it could be as true as anything. A person could be standing in front of you. Um or they or they, you know, sort of label it as a as a freak incident, but it's not proven, it's not FDA approved and blah 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 and blah blah blah. And in the meantime, people are dying and people are suffering. And um I do think that in many cases there's a lot of truth to the to the one-offs who got cured, you know, by by methods other than, uh, you know, pills other than than uh, pharmaceuticals. 
Um, Definitely. So let me ask you a question. The people that come to you, the women that come to you, do you find that, I'm assuming that you get more of those who have tried everything else and, and then heard about you and, you know, or do you, you know, do you, do you get as many first timers as you do people who have gone through the struggle and are desperate looking for another way? Honestly, it's about half and half because it, this kind of medicine attracts a lot of different groups of people. So you have the people who really just want to live a very organic life and they've never had a desire to use contraceptives. They've never had a desire to do or put anything into their body that wasn't natural. And so that segment of the population comes to me just because, you know, they've gone to their gynecologist and they've been told, hey, yeah, your only option is birth control. And they've started looking for something different. And they haven't, you know, experienced infertility or anything as of yet. They're simply trying to address an issue. Then you have the portion of the population that comes to me because according to their faith or their religion, um, the use of contraceptives is not acceptable. And so they specifically look for physicians who don't write contraceptives. And so they come to me just for their typical care. And in they, don't, they might not even realize that they have an issue, but it's just in doing their annual GYN visit as we're going through all of their bleeding patterns and their, you know, how often are you having a cycle? Do you have any pain with your periods? Do you have heavy periods? All that sort of stuff that they discover that they have an issue, you know? So some, it, it's so interesting. There are so many people in society that because when they're talking to their friends or their neighbors or their relatives or whatever, so many people have similar issues to what they have that they just assume that what they're experiencing is completely normal. And the perfect example for that is people who have PMS, right? So the week before their period, they get really irritable, they get really grumpy, they want to get away from people, they get anxious, they get depressed, and they society has made them feel that everybody has this, that it's completely normal. But in reality, it's not normal at all for people to feel this way. And it's especially not normal if it's interfering with your relationships, with your work, with your family. If you find that every month, the week before your period, you're getting into a fight with your husband, you're screaming at your kids, you like suddenly the things that your kids are doing, which you find like remotely funny and annoying is like fingernails on a chalkboard, then there's an issue there. And, you know, so many women, they've kind of walked through life and they've had a little bit of this irritation and then they hit 40 and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is seriously intense stuff. And they have headaches and all of these issues. Their bleeding patterns get funny because they have more tail and brown bleeding. And it's all due to these underlying hormonal issues and a lack of progesterone typically that's happening after ovulation. But these women have kind of all of their friends that are around their age are all experiencing this at the same time. So they all think, oh, this is just a part of getting older, just, you know, have to deal with it. This is what it is. 
But unfortunately, it really affects relationships. And I can't tell you the number of people that I have encountered where the couple is on the brink of divorce simply because of PMS. Like this woman is so upset and angry. And when you're feeling that way, the person that you tend to take it out on are the people who are closest to you. So the fights and the anger and the irritation and not feeling like you're supported or that anybody understands you, and it leads to this disconnect between the husband and wife, and then it leads to cheating and it leads to just badness. But when the woman can actually understand what's going on and heal that underlying hormonal abnormality, I have had so many husbands call me after the fact. And they're like, thank you for giving me my wife back. My marriage is now intact. Like, it's just such a beautiful thing to see these families not being on the brink of divorce anymore. And that these kids don't have to suffer that, you know, broken marriage and that broken family because of these hormonal issues. So it's a really huge issue. I think I think that that bit of information you just gave is probably going to cause you know ten thousand more people than originally to listen to this episode. I think that is a, that is um, a, a, a man's and a woman's savior in you know um, what you just described because I think people go through it and. You know, some make it through some when they get to the other side of making whatever you would call making it through. Um, the dynamic has changed. The communication has changed. Um, you know, sometimes people people joke about it as, as you know. But the fact is that it's it is a critical issue for many relationships. And it does, you know, timing is everything because it can happen at a time where um, relationships, marriages, and all those things are sort of transitioning from one um, level to the next, and mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 so it, that that's just an extra layer of challenges um, that people have to face. So I think many people will be listening keenly to that, and 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 maybe as men, we'll have a better understanding of what's going on now. And maybe you'll get a whole lot more people knocking at your door because maybe we'll start, you know, writing your, your name and your, your address and your business name on pieces of paper and slipping it under the pillow or something as a hint. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, I think that is really important. You know, the other thing I'm thinking about too, while we're, um, discussing this is, and I think people are going to ask this question in their mind because IVF has a socioeconomic dependency. Um, I know people, like I said, I've heard different conversations where you know some people have the money to afford it because a lot of those things, treatments that you're dealing with when you're going through IVF, the doctors are very. Um, it, it, it's it's a it's a money maker. Let's make let's put it bluntly. They don't take health insurance, a lot of them. You have to find this money. People beg, borrow, and steal because they want to have children. And, you know, $50,000, $60,000 later, as the one friend I'm thinking of now, the result was zero 
And the ultimate result was a broken marriage. And so I think the elephant in the room was going to be, you know, people going to say, look, you know, whether or not I've spent the $50,000 or maybe I, we were thinking of it because we wanted to have children, but we, we basically know we can't afford it because every good doctor that is a referral where someone says, I know a great doctor, he, or he got us pregnant or whatever, but he doesn't take insurance. How do these people reach you? And the big question would be, can they afford you? Oh my goodness. It, the, the cost of IVF is somewhere between 9000 to 15000 for a cycle, not including medication. So I totally see how your friend got to 50000 real quick. With us, all the issues that we're addressing, like if, if someone lives in Pennsylvania or if someone has access to a physician who does NAPR technology in their area, every issue having to do, whether it's IVF, I mean, whether it's infertility or PMS or polycystic ovarian syndrome or any other GYN issue, we are treating it as the underlying issue, right? So I'm not charging people for infertility treatment when they come into my office. I'm charging them for, hey, you've got a problem visit and we're addressing your irregular cycles or your abnormal bleeding or your painful cycles or your endometriosis, stuff like that. So it doesn't matter if you have, you know, infertility coverage or not with your insurance, you would still use your insurance to help you address the underlying issue, which may be leading to infertility. Thus, solving the infertility issue. For people that are not in Pennsylvania and can't come into my office because, you know, they can't travel to me or whatever, for those people, the coaching is like way, way less expensive than anything that IVF would ever cost. Um, you know, all of my pricing and everything is on my website for the coaching and the course and everything. But we're talking like hundreds of dollars versus thousands of dollars with IVF. So it's, yeah, there's no way you would ever possibly spend anywhere near what you would even spend in one IVF cycle by trying to address your fertility with me. And the hundreds of dollars um, can, can, uh, um, that expense can be, I'm assuming because you're, you're treating the underlying issue, be covered by insurance. Yeah, if you're being seen in the office, then it can all be covered by insurance. If you're working with me as a coach or if you're working with me as um, like the course for it, in some people's medical insurance, they might be able to get some reimbursement for that because it's just educational stuff about health. Um, you know, it all depends on their insurance and what their HSA will allow them to spend on. But otherwise, even if it's an out-of-pocket cost, it's just still like way less expensive than what you would ever pay for IVF. And if, you know, we're dealing with people across the, and I do have listeners that are, that are across the world, not just the United States. So is there, does, does there exist a, something like a directory of doctors who are trained in NAPRO technology that, you know, is there a source that they can go to or, you know, to sure, seek out? Yeah. These? 
So there are, you know, several different directories that list NAPR technology doctors. One is, you know, going to the Pope Paul VI Institute. They have some of the doctors listed there. Um, then you could, I, I, I honestly think the easiest way to find a NAPRO doctor close to you is just Googling NAPRO technology. So it's N-A-P-R-O technology and then your zip code. And then whoever is closest to you will pop up. And all of us are trained pretty similarly. We all have kind of like uh, after we've been practicing, in practice on our own for a while, we all kind of change certain things and we branch out more. Like, I don't know that every other NAPRO doc is as interested in looking into Chinese herbal medicine and what they're doing and looking into the alternative medicine and the integrative medicine and what they're doing to try and like enhance um, what they can offer to their patients. But I just, it just makes so much more sense to me. So that's why I tailor my practice in that way. Okay, great. So, I think we've given people a direction. I think we've given people um, definitely food for thought. And I think people who are, and I will use the word desperate because most of the people that I've spoken to that get to the point where they're going for IVF and they're, you know, taking out uh, a loan on their, on their homes and these sort of things to be able to pay for it. That's, that's, that's a level of uh, intense desperation to put yourself in that, you know, that amount of debt. And then you have people who can't, afford it who simply suffer the the emotional you know consequences of it so i think this is a great alternative a great option and i think that you provided an uh, incredible serve that you provide an incredible service and you've provided it by by being a guest on this podcast and um i get the privilege of hearing your real talk so before we wrap this up or or to wrap this up i'm going to ask you to Give us your your uh, 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 a summary, your final thoughts on on uh, what you'd like to leave my audience with. Absolutely. So, I mean, I personally believe that every single person was created so perfectly, with such purpose, with such talent, and so much to share with everybody else. I feel like no matter what the issue is that you're dealing with. This, I don't believe that infertility or any other issue is ever unexplained. I know so many people have been given that and they unfortunately bought that lie that I have unexplained infertility and they don't know why it's happening. There's always a cause for every single thing that we're encountering in our bodies. There's always a reason. And I believe that everybody deserves to know what that is and that people shouldn't give up on trying to find that cause because you're worth it and you deserve to know these answers and you deserve the very best healthcare. You deserve to work with someone who really does care about you and somebody who is invested in you know, your happiness and your peace and someone who's willing to support you. So seek out those people because Every single person is so worthwhile, and you guys all deserve it. Oh, great! Thank you so much. That is that is uh, those are words of wisdom that I hope that people um, who listen to this episode, you know, take to heart, especially if they are experiencing this issue or they 
know someone who is. So um, as a service that we've provided tonight and as and the, and the real issue we've tackled, I want to thank you so much for um, coming on 247 Real Talk and being a guest on the show, especially since, you know, we record this late and, uh, you know, you, you were up for it. So thank you so much. And um, it's an absolute pleasure. And if there's any other... Uh, um, development in the, in the industry or whatever. We hope you have you back on the show so you can discuss it further. But thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. It's been such a great time. I really enjoyed it. You're quite welcome. say a very special thank you to Dr. Monique Ruberu for sharing her wisdom and insight with us in this very important and even critical aspect of, of health and healthcare and, our, and the lives and the difference it makes in our lives. All of her information and the links to all of the uh, knowledge that you need and the access to her and doctors like her will be available in the body of the episode. I want, as usual, say thank you to my supporters and listeners for your continued support, reminding you that you can listen to this episode and any of my episodes on your favorite podcast app. You can also head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net. If you'd like to be a guest in the show or if you'd like to leave me a message, you can do so by sending me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, do take care of yourselves and each other.